everyone. For the second straight week, the Buffalo Bills came out in the first half and were totally and completely outclassed by their opponents. But I guess this time around, the Bills turned it around and actually showed some signs of life in the second half. But uh, we'll get into all that as the as the podcast progresses here. But Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, I cannot go a single second longer without bringing up the name Vontae Davis and the sheer, I'm, I don't know if there's a word, I'm going to make it up, ridiculosity of, of the event and, and everything that, that went into it. And oh my goodness, I have been waiting to talk with you about this for basically the entire evening since, since it happened. My name is Joe Biscaglia. Welcome in, everyone, to the Bills Beat Podcast here. The Bills, of course, losing 31-20 to to the Los Angeles Chargers, now 0-2 on the season. We'll get to Josh Allen. We'll get to the offense. We'll get to the defense. We'll get to the, the broader stuff as we kind of go along here. But holy crap, Vontae Davis, basically, he pulled himself out of the game after the Bills were already down to three corners. He decided at halftime that he was done, retired, and then couldn't even stand on the sidelines for the rest of the game. He's like, you know what? F this. I'm mobile. And, and leaves the stadium. And even though it's not confirmed by the Bills, Sean McDermott's, uh, his lack of an outright denial speaks volumes about what actually happened. So that's what Vontae Davis did. This stuff doesn't happen. This is what you hear in television series, movies. You don't get an instance where a professional athlete says, screw it, I'm done. I don't I don't even want to be here for another second. That's uh, man, I I couldn't believe my ears when when I had heard all of this happening. He pulled a Schuster. As we've just discovered. Ooh. Uh, for you soccer fans out there. I'm one. Bernd Schuster, who I think was the Real Madrid coach, manager, whatever they call them in, in that sport. In 1986, when he was a player in the European Cup final, he was playing for Barcelona. He walked out of the stadium at halftime, got a taxi in full uniform, and went home. So I would say this is the Vontae Davis pulled the greatest Irish goodbye since Bernd Schuster. Wow. He left probably before most of the fans left, I think. Yeah, that's probably right. Even the most pessimistic Bills fan at halftime of this game probably said, and let's stick around and see how they come out of the... Yeah, let's see, let's see how, the, how the rest of Josh goes. Here. Right. Vontae Davis, no sir. I have seen enough. <laughs> I am going to disrobe, hand in my uniform, and leave. See, and I think it's an incredible story. I've never seen anything like it. No. I've never heard of anything like it. No. And I think when you consider the spot the Bills were in, it becomes even more ridiculous because they had four corners dressed, which Sean McDermott was steadfast about all week when I asked him about it, you know, about that being a normal thing, the only having four game. corners. It's not. 
everything is a numbers game, evidently. But it's not necessarily normal to have four cornerbacks dressed. So they have four corners dressed. Philip Gaines gets injured with an elbow injury, uh-huh. does not return. Uh-huh. So they have three healthy corners, and one of those healthy corners leaves. <laughs> so you have Raphael Bush, your safety, playing nickel. You have Lafayette Pitts on the outside playing where Vontae Davis was, Tredavious White playing his usual spot. And there was a point when Raphael Bush got a little banged up. So they brought Saran Neal in to play safety and put Micah Hyde at nickel corner. Yep. All because Mike or all because Vontae da- Vonte Davis, who you know, has four million dollars in his pocket from these Buffalo Bills, couldn't be bothered to just finish the game. I mean, you. This is like, this is all time stuff. Like he saw a vision and was like, "I'm supposed to leave. I need to leave." Uh, there, that was like the guy. Didn't the guy leave the combine once? Yeah, because he got a vision. Right. Um, that's what this is like, where you are just so overcome by the fact that you think you need to retire, by that feeling that you are done, that. You just say, this is going to do it for me. And, wow. I mean... He, he, well, a, look. I mean, he could have he could have done a number of things here. And he could have kept a little bit of his reputation intact by doing any number of things that he, he didn't do today. He left the stadium. He left his teammates in the lurch. He could have pulled himself from the game and said, Hey, you know what? I don't want to play anymore, guys. This is probably going to be it for me. But look, I'm going to be here to support you the rest of the way. I'll give you an extra two hours of my day. I'll, we'll, we'll go from there. But instead, he's like, well, screw this game. Screw you all. I'm out. And his teammates were pissed off, and for good reason. I mean, this guy that they thought had their back just left them, didn't really give a care in the world to to them being out there and putting their bodies on the line. And to a certain degree, I get where Vontae Davis is coming from and the fact that he wants to be able to walk away from the game without... Um, limping away from the game and totally get that from from the humanistic All side. Normal feelings to yes. have, not at halftime correct. of a game. Correct. You don't Absolutely act correct. on them at halftime of a game. I correct. Mean, on the one hand, you can almost respect it in the sense of like the te- he doesn't owe the team anything really. I mean, this game just chews these guys up and spits them out. You know, we saw. Taiwan Jones take that nasty hit today where he's doesn't have a helmet on and he's bleeding from his head and this game is nasty it's violent and it's hard to blame anyone from walking away at any time but you can still stand out there on the sideline yeah and really wait until the end much. of the game it's more so it's not even for Sean McDermott or Brandon Bean or the Pagulas or Sorry to the listeners, it's not really about the fans either. Because who really cares about Vontae Davis, to be honest? I mean, he's very inconsequential uh, at this point. But it's about the players. You're putting guys in harm's way. You're putting 
the other players in the secondary in harm's way in, in a way because now they're playing shorthanded and guys are having to move around and there's an able-bodied guy healthy who is paid handsomely to play football mm-hmm. who's on his way home and i mean yeah guys were pretty pissed off lorenzo alexander was like you know i'm not gonna i'm gonna give him more respect than he gave us by quitting on us at halftime but then he proceeded to kind of go off on him a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kyle Williams was visibly pissed off, but didn't talk, you know, didn't kill him with his words other than to say he's where he needs to be right now, mm-hmm. as in not with the team, because they don't want him. Kyle from like six years ago would have went off, by the way. And I asked Kyle, you know, because at this point, when we're in the locker room, we don't know, you know, Vontae Davis hasn't released his statement yet. He did end up releasing a statement, which again makes a lot of good points about wanting to walk away from the game, right. not limp away, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. We Would've get all that. Fine retirement statement in February. Or, or on Monday. Or on Monday. <laughs> or on Tuesday. Or yesterday. Last night, even. Yeah. Not at, you know, a couple hours after you left the stadium at halftime. But. So I, I, at the time, I asked Kyle, like, would you guys, you know, would he be, be welcome back in this locker room if, you know, he has some sort of change of heart? And Kyle kind of s- stared into my soul, it felt like, and was like, well, I guess that would depend on the details. But it was pretty clear that if I were Vontae Davis in that situation, I would never want to see Kyle Williams again. I right. wouldn't want to see a lot of these guys again after what he did. And, man... It, the, the scene that will stick with me is I was in the Chargers locker room and at this point we kind of had a we knew something was up with Vontae Davis mm-hmm. because he wasn't on the field at all in the second half and you pointed out that he wasn't on the sideline there was no injury announced he'd already been a mystery inactive week one and it, yeah it's been a weird situation with Vontae and and for context I'll let you continue really quickly after this as soon as I saw he wasn't on the sidelines, I went up to the Bills PR staff and I'm like, hey, where is there anything up with Vontae? And they immediately say, nope, not injury related. And that was the first hint that something was going on there. Go ahead. And so I walk into the Chargers room and Philip Rivers is there, you know, halfway undressed, standing in front of Keenan Allen and Melvin Gordon's lockers. Melvin Gordon still got like his whole uniform on, and they're like glued to Philip Rivers, and he just he says, "Yeah, he just left, he quit, like he retired." And, and Melvin Gordon is just beside himself, and Keenan Allen's like, "Man," and they're just like going back and forth. They're all laughing, they're having a great time, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh my god!" Like, and I texted Tim Graham and was like, "I think Vontae Davis retired. Like, I think he went home." And, you know, I know you were with Tim in the press conference room, and it was just like, so I'm thinking, all right, like, maybe we got something here. Right. And then, you know, Sean McDermott basically admitted, yeah, he pulled himself. Yeah. Which was, you know, started the series of events that led to guys in the locker room kind of going off. And Raphael Bush was an interesting one, too, just because he's like, yeah, I felt, I, you know, I lost some respect for him because, like, you're supposed to, you know, fight to the end and such you know things like that you know those are kind of the or you know just physically be there so what a weird turn of events and 
it's reminiscent of Anquan Bolden in a way. But, oh no, this but it's, is in its a but it's whole a different, different class. Ca- it's like a completely different category because every time a guy retires, you kind of say there's sometimes some awkward retirements because sometimes that moment hits you at weird times, right? Mm-hmm. You know, sure. Kyle Orton saying, "Hey guys, I'll be right back. Just got to go to a team meeting." And then retiring and just giving he, the deuces, he, you know. He knew what he was doing. Dad going out for milk and <laughs> never coming home. Uh, that was one. There's Anquan Bolden just after a preseason game being like, eh, I'm done. You know, it can be awkward. There's never, there, you know, sometimes it, it's awkward. That, what Bonte Davis did, took it to a new level. Yeah, The bar timer. has been set. All time. For awkward retirements it only would have i don't even know how you can get worse than that no i see i'm neurotic and so anytime there's a there's a change in uh whatchamacallit a lineup move or something like that i'll automatically scan the sideline just to see if anybody's out there just in the event that what happened today actually happened although i never expected it to actually happen and here we are vante davis left at freaking halftime and oh by the way the statement that he put out there makes a lot of good points right I mean that that he needs to he's concerned about his family wanted to make sure that he was able to walk away from the game before and he said it just kind of hit him there was a moment where he said I don't belong out here I don't have it and I can't uh, what am I doing totally get it totally get all of that and again he could have waited however in that statement do you know what two words were not in there one time? There was no thank you. There was no apology. The the as words far as I'm concerned. the words Buffalo Bills were not in that statement whatsoever. There wasn't a thank you, there wasn't an apology, anything like that. And just as a, another for instance as to where his head was at, the picture used for said sta- statement, it was a Colts photo. So there is absolutely no linking the Buffalo Bills to him. It just seemed like he was done. And there wasn't anyone that could change his mind. He was so fed up that he freaking left New Era Field. And hey, I don't blame him. The 219 traffic sucks. That's true. You got to get out of it. And if you're trying to get to the airport, I mean, you're going to hit a ton of traffic if you leave right at 4 o'clock. So, savvy move on his part. See, Traffic was brutal on the 219 today. See, I I wonder this, though. Like, they also stay in a hotel the night before the game. And then they take a bus on the way over. So, how did he get back to his car? If if he didn't drive to the... Did he... he, call for an uber did, did that happen did he did he get a taxi where is he going did he go and clear out his locker in the practice facility i have so many questions that Probably i'll, I'll not, never right? know the answer to what if he was just one of those guys that you know was purposely not all there uh mentally in terms of invested to the team and maybe he just kept all his personal possessions out of his locker and just had the team issued stuff there like what? <laughs> I just have so many questions about what he did immediately after he left. Like, if you are Vontae Davis's Uber driver, please call. <laughs> yes. Tweet us. Tweet us, please. Please get in touch. 
He but had to have it, had has, guys have their cars here. They, they must. They do. I'm. I'm. They must. Because... I'm under the estimation that for for curfew reasons that they stay in the hotel the night before just to make sure everyone's on the same page, and then and then they travel to the. Uh, uh, I think they take their cars because how would they get to the hotel? Th- You're they, just gonna they, leave your car at your t- hotel. Oh, I suppose maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe they drive the car to. Um, to the stadium, and then they take a bus to the hotel, something like that. And that that might be a, a way around that. That's probably right. You Could know, be. Logistically, they have to, yeah, yeah, they have to have their their car. Somewhere. All right, all right. I I uh, rescind that from from the conversation. But still, what is the first thing Vontae Davis does as he gets out gets out of the stadium? Does he just blast like a Taylor Swift song or something like that? Just starts crying and 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 you know thinking about the journey while the game is still happening. I mean, what the hell happened out there? It's almost. I mean, you can compare it to so many different things, but none of them are even close. No, you know, it's like no, not. guys get sent home sometimes, oh and you kind of wonder what happens there. But I mean. What an odd feeling that must be. Vontae Davis is an interesting, interesting man. I, I mean, he kind of laughed off being inactive a little bit last week. He wasn't, you know... Maybe he wanted it. He, he was on hard knocks when he got traded, which was a uh, really weird scene. The grandma called. And he, yeah, he called his grandmother and all that. But like, just the way he reacted was kind of odd. Um, I... I don't know what a what an interesting moment in time for this Bills team, and I don't know that's a that's a weird. I mean, think about what happened in this game. You have Vontae Davis leaving at halftime, at which point Sean McDermott also takes over defensive play calling duties, which is not normal. And I mean, it's not unprecedented. It's not right. like Vontae Davis. It's been Leslie Frazier's play calling for a while now. And and then you, so you've got those two things happening, and you take another beating to the point where, I mean, they are sixteen and a half point underdogs to the Minnesota Vikings next yeah. week. Yeah, well, that, it has been true. quite a long time since they've been sixteen and a half point underdogs. Two thousand ten. Yeah, probably. It, May yeah, 2010 or maybe a few years before. It was to the Patriots whenever oh, it was. Okay. Um, but this team is in a complete tailspin very fast. And this is where Sean McDermott has to reel it in a little bit. Because I wondered, you know, when Anquan Bolden retired and they made all those trades last year, you thought, geez, like... How's he going to hold these guys together? And he managed to do it, probably a credit in some way to a lot. They had a lot of veterans in that room and they kind of held it together. They did have, still have some talent on that team. There's not a lot of talent on this team. Mm-mm. There's fewer veterans than there were a year ago. You know, you lose Richie Incognito, Eric Wood, and Tyrod Taylor, um, among others. And you start to wonder about how this team doesn't completely splinter apart i mean do they win a game i assume they'll win a game yeah at some point because they showed some life today but this was this has gone about as poorly as it can go for the bills 
Well, the first six quarters did. Yeah, the first six quarters definitely. The 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 second half is the one that they have to hang their hat on. They, there's no other choice in the matter. They got a couple of touchdowns. They held the Chargers to three points, and they showed some improvement in a few key areas. Let's start with Josh, Josh Allen, because obviously his first start. You know, I wasn't expecting to talk about Vontae Davis for 20 minutes to open up the podcast, but here we are with an unprecedented situation and just. Man, one that I'll never forget. But with Josh Allen, I don't really think he had a chance in the first half. And slowly but surely, he was getting more and more involved, more and more comfortable. I think it really kind of snapped into place a little bit for him when he delivered that bomb to Zay Jones that Jones almost didn't catch, by the way. Um, It seemed like from that point forward, Allen was a bit of a different guy out there. It didn't seem like, and you know, yards per pass on on Twitter, he he hit the nail on the head. It didn't seem like the moment was too big for him, which is important, especially in his first start. And when you're getting blown out, it's really easy for that to happen. So those are all good things, but. You see the signs, the the flashes from him, the the throw to Kelvin Benjamin in the end zone at the end of the game. Even though the game was done, just that throw, feeding it into that tight window, huge throw. Um, And then the, I talked about the Zay Jones one, uh, the one where he rolled out to his left and just fired one to Andre Holmes. That Holmes dropped, by the way, but identified the receiver coming open and, and, Hit it, hit him with a somewhat catchable pass. Maybe not a perfect pass, but still, the the arm, the the signs are all there. And then using his legs to get some yardage for the team. That those were another, those were other good signs. But then you have the not so good stuff that he has to try and uh, or that the Bills have to try to wean him off of because you have him basically with a defender draped all over him trying to throw a pass and obviously the he doesn't he isn't able to put his full body into it a defender easily steps in front of it and picks it off the other interception Kroom was covered and I don't really know what he saw and he was just trying to make a play and that was quick and that basically removed any further thought that maybe they could sneak back into it. So they, were, so they were good and bad there. But the important part here is that Josh Allen actually showed that there are signs of him, him being able to get better. And there's already a signs of a baseline that, that he's able to do the job proficiently enough, I guess, right now. And that's what you have to hold on to if you're a Bills fan. Yeah, I think... He didn't look like he was in over his head by any means. And despite everything the Chargers threw at him, he didn't really blink. You know, mm-hmm. he kept getting hit. He kept getting blitzed. And he didn't, you know, he just kept popping back up. You know, you can see it kind of in, in the look on his face and, and things like that where he didn't, he just kept attacking. You know, the, the mentality for him never changed. And... He wasn't perfect by any means. I think he made some dumb decisions. Uh, he missed some some pressure that he probably should have sensed or picked up on pre-snap. But overall, 
it was about what you would expect from him. He was far better than Nathan Peterman has been at any point in his career. And it makes you think, you know, everything we talked about where this team isn't quite ready to have him in there and he's probably not quite ready. I still think both of those things are true. But I don't think he, so long as the support system and the the coaching remains okay and, and in his corner, I don't think he's going to be ruined by starting too early, mm-hmm. mentally at least. I, I think he he can handle it. I wonder if the fundamentals will suffer. And, I mean, if he gets hurt, then it's, you know, those types of things are, are hard to figure out. But what he has between the years seems like it will be, you know, useful for the remaining 14 games because there's going to be a lot of what he got today. And I think there's going to be more bright moments, but they still can't block. I mean, they, yeah. the wide receiver, Zay Jones, almost dropped that pass that was you know one of Allen's best of the day. So there's going to be some frustrating moments, I think. But overall, he's the only reason you're watching this football team. Yeah, and, and how he grows over the course of the year. And it's going to keep people coming back, too. I mean... That first time he engineers a win, it, I think it's going to happen at some point this season. They, I mean, they play the Titans, right? They, it seems like a winnable game. Or the Colts. They'll eke out a win. Maybe two. The Maybe Colts three. The Colts played okay today. The, Titan, the Colts won. The Titans won. I mean, those are competent NFL teams. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe a Dolphins win, maybe a Jets win, something. They'll probably win a game. They'll probably win a game. Maybe two, maybe three. Who but knows? we can't guarantee it. No, I can't. I, I won't. Not in, in good faith. No, I certainly can't. I, I would not lead you astray, Bill's Beat listeners. I, I wouldn't do that to your hearts. Um, so so good, good things to take away from this game with Josh Allen. I mean, there wasn't an outright... Uh, stud of a performer for the Bills today. And I actually had Josh Allen as my MVP, even though he had the two INTs. I mean, it was him that breathed life into the Bills, really. Uh, And that can't be discounted for everything that he's done, especially in comparison to what, uh, what they were in the first half and two series of the second half against the Baltimore Ravens with Nathan Peterman. So we'll see what he does against a really good defense in the Minnesota Vikings and if he's able to try and eke out some more progress. But, you know, a good a good baseline for Josh Allen and some definite room for improvement. All right, before we get to the defense, first let's go into what we're working on. Matthew? Yeah, over at theathletic.com, if you can stomach it, we've... Got some coverage of this game coming your way. Tim Graham and I were both here. Eric Turner was also in the building today as well, I believe, uh, in the stands. Um, But we've got... I, I was in the Chargers room for a little bit, as I mentioned. And... I think, you know, you know, we've got Vontae Davis coverage galore, as as I'm sure people will be looking for. But I also wanted to get a sense for how Josh Allen, you know, responded and what guys thought. And I think it was somewhat of a silver lining in this game. And uh, that's a little bit of what I, I wrote about today. We've also got um, 
the story I wrote on Brian Dable and how he's basically going to have to serve as the support system for Josh Allen and the guy that Josh Allen looks to to learn how to prepare and learn how to you know break down defenses and game plan and everything like that. Talk to Brett Ratliff, one of Brian Dable's old quarterbacks, so that's up on the site as well. And Bills Beat listeners can still get 40% off a year's subscription by going to theathletic.com slash billsbeat. That'll get you in at 40% off, which is roughly $3 a month. And I'm, I don't know about you, I'm a little bit curious to see what Eric Wood has to say this week. He's, he started doing a weekly column for us. His guy Fitz had another huge game uh, down in Tampa, and I'm sure uh, Eric Wood is probably not missing days like this one no. uh, as he sits in retirement. Like so I'm interested to I'm interested to read what he has to say. He's the Bills certainly miss him. I'm just not sure that he misses this part of it too yeah. much. And I mean, we thought Eric Wood's retirement was weird. Ronte well, Davis took that up another level and man do you think Vontae Davis will get a Fieldhouse press conference I mean, <laughs> I, mean I don't know I think for, I think he may have missed his opportunity for, for the way that this went down I might you know what I might fund it let's go let's say let's give Vontae the the, the no no I think his key happen. card is going to be broken <laughs> probably already is. they probably completely deleted him from the system all right and over at uh, wkbw.com I've got my uh, seven observations from the game we're going over a few of them here on the podcast but uh, that said I did write about the broader perspective of where this whole thing is headed and and uh, because I know the the uh, head coach and the GM have drawn some ire from fans, so I've got some uh, some pearls of wisdom from uh, about that over at wkbw.com. The one thing you brought up uh, was Sean McDermott calling plays in the second half, and this was crucial to the Bills. And I think it is something that we can expect to continue because when you have a defense that you have invested so many things into. A solid contract to, a a big contract to Micah Hyde, a solid contract to Jordan Poyer, a first-round pick to Tredavious White, a first-round pick to Tremaine Edmonds, a third-round pick in Harrison Phillips, paying Jerry Hughes as much as you're paying him, signing Trent Murphy to a huge free agent contract, signing Star Latulale to a huge free agent contract. Having a first-round pick in Shaq Lawson. Eh, they didn't draft, but that's neither here nor there. As as one of your, your core backups. the It's essentially their operation now. And it's their job to get those guys to work because there aren't really excuses as to, well, we didn't really bring them in here, so it's not, uh, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, so to speak. No, they have to get it together. And the fact that they had allowed... Nine touchdowns on nine opponent red zone visits was just laughable. I mean, they didn't stand a chance. They, The Ravens and the Chargers were just both rolling right through the Bills defenders. And, I mean, it was, it's like, oh, well, there's another 10-yard gain. Oh, there's another 11-yard gain. Oh, they're, they're getting down the field. There's a 30-yard chunk play. It was just hapless out there. But once McDermott took over, 
it seemed like he was more instinctive about what to call next. And it seemed like the pressure was actually getting there for the first time this season from the defensive ends. Trent Murphy, I thought, looked much better than he did against the Ravens. Jerry Hughes looked much better than he did against the Ravens. And those are things that they have to build from because if they're not getting heat on the quarterback, they're not doing much of anything on defense. But once McDermott took over, that all changed. They only allowed three points in the second half. They forced multiple punts. They forced the Chargers to to a punt even after Josh Allen turned the ball over in a pretty bad spot. Or that might have been the field goal. Either way, it's still limiting them to just three points. So that is something I would expect to continue. And, you know, Leslie Frazier is a respected guy around the NFL. But you can tell McDermott knows how to turn it on when he's calling a defense. And I think I think we can expect a lot of the same going forward. Yeah, I'm thinking that he probably will handle those duties. And if that's what it takes to get the defense back on track, then he should because mm-hmm. the defense has been probably the bigger disappointment in the first two weeks just because there was some level of expectation that they would improve on that side of the football. But... They really haven't. And I think the secondary, oddly, has become a bit of a problem. And I don't know exactly how they're going to get it back on track now that they're going to be shuffling pieces around. The pass rush has been a problem until Sean McDermott was able to you know, take over the, the play-calling duties and dial some things up. But you know, Tremaine Edmonds is ma- still making some rookie mistakes. There's a lot of little things going wrong for this defense that are creating a big, big problem because in the red zone, they're essentially useless. Nine of 10 trips, they've allowed touchdowns. I, I think, you know, a year ago, they were a lot better in that area. They aren't creating turnovers the way they did last year. And when those, we talked about it before the season started, if those turnovers go away, it becomes an average defense. And right now it's below average. So maybe Sean McDermott needs to, you know, take some ownership of it and call the plays full time because I don't know if it's a direct correlation in any way, but it's it's something. And I think they had the Chargers had sixty eight net yards of offense in the second half. That's- I mean, be good. That's, and you can say what you want about them taking their foot off the gas, but it's only a half truth because they were winning, but they were still playing their starters. This wasn't the second half of the Ravens game where, you know, they yanked Flacco and everything. So if that, you know, trend continues, then maybe they have a chance to be a little bit more competitive. But the way they're starting games is pathetic. And talent aside, I think that's something that Sean McDermott has to figure out as a coach. Why isn't this team coming out of the gate faster? Why aren't they responding the same way they did a year ago? And sure, the defense had a three and out on the first series. But I think after that, there were two. The Chargers faced third down twice on their way to 255 yards and you know a few touchdowns it was 
they were just marching down the field. My with eyes no just glazed resistance. over there. Yeah, I mean, they weren't getting to third down. The Bills couldn't even get to that point. And Phillip Rivers was just sitting back there with all the time in the world and carving them up the way that he does. So it's not going to get easier next week. Kirk Cousins had himself an afternoon for the Vikings against the Packers this week. Stephon Diggs had a couple of touchdowns. So, you know, the week after that, you're playing against Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. I mean, the defense is probably the bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Given all the money and given the draft picks invested, first rounder in Tremaine Edmonds, third rounder in Harrison Phillips, first rounder in Tredavious White, you know, huge contract for Latula, huge contract for Trent Murphy. Jerry Hughes is a very highly paid player. Shaq Lawson is a first round pick. I mean, at some point, you have to hope for better results. You've got two huge free agent acquisitions who are making good money in Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. I mean, that side of the ball has to be a lot better and not, they're not terrible. They've been, I think, you know, middle of the pack when you, you know, average out all the defensive stats. But the problem is, too, the offense isn't doing them any favors. Yeah, the drive short, starts have been terrible. Short fields and... In fact, I meant to look at that. No rest either is, I think, a huge problem. When the offense keeps going three and out, you're not going to you know sustain any sort of energy or push on defense. I mean, they're playing a lot of snaps, and they're constantly on the field. The time of possession is not weighing in their favor, and that'll hurt you in the long run. And they're not doing themselves any favors because they're not getting off the field. All just one big mess when it comes down to it. The average drive start for the the Chargers today was their own 36-yard line, which is still like pretty bad from a Bills perspective. And thinking about what happened last week, last week the Ravens, their average drive start was at their own 41-yard line. So it's... It's more than just the defense, but still there are certain defensive woes such as the pass rush that need to get better and the fact that they have showed signs of improvement over the last two quarters maybe indicates that uh, they have the potential to kind of turn this thing around a bit and be the team that we thought that they might be heading into the season as as opposed to the one we saw in the first six quarters. Now, with respect to the defense, got to go back to the offensive side of the ball really quickly because for the second straight week, the offensive line has just been a nightmare. And some of the sacks weren't their fault. Some of it was on Josh Allen, and, and I totally understand that. But I'm of the belief that the Bills need to make one move in particular on the offensive line, and that is to insert Wyatt Teller into the lineup for John Miller. It makes all the logical sense in the world. One, John Miller has struggled mightily in his first two games. He looks a step too slow. He, he's slow to react to delayed pressures. These are things that you need your your starting guard to be able to do, especially if they have the book on you already and they know and they know that's how to get pressure on your young quarterback. Two, John Miller 
this is now the third year of four that he has shown that he cannot do the job. And so that that uh, second season of his that we all kind of think back to like, oh, he looked pretty good then. That seems to be the anomaly here. Three, he is on the final year of his rookie contract and it's pretty apparent that he will not be moving on with the Buffalo Bills past the 2018 season. So when you have those three factors going and you have a rookie that you just took in the fifth round in Wyatt Teller that you have signed for the next four years, you you have basically all but admitted that this year is a rebuilding year by using rhetoric like, you know, it, it, we're a work in progress and other things like, you know, it's early into the, the second year of the roster building and nobody said it was, or nobody said we were, it wasn't going to be painful or something, something along those lines. These are all things that the Bills have said over the past seven days. And so when you have that line of thinking and you're putting all of these younger players in the lineup, what the hell is the point of keeping John Miller out there and, and keeping Wyatt Teller as an inactive? Put him in the lineup. Let him grow. Let him see if he can have a long-term, or if he can be a long-term solution for your roster. And if he can't, go find someone else in the offseason that can. End rant. Yeah, I think, you know, what do you have to lose at this point? Yeah. Wyatt Teller and Ike Butker could both be in the lineup by the time the season's over. (laughs) One of the two, at the very least. and I think Teller will be, for sure. Teller's a draft pick, so the odds of him getting in there are better. And he plays the position that the weaker guard plays at the moment. But you have to do something. It, it was It's one of those things where they're really just stuck because you're not going to go find a guy on the street that's going to be an upgrade. You're not going to you know, necessarily get a huge amount of, you know, improvement from Wyatt Teller but there's something there there's you know he's younger than John Miller at this point you know what John Miller is Mm -hmm. I don't think you really know what Wyatt Teller is he didn't look great in the preseason but I like his skill set a bit better than uh what we've seen from John Miller over the years and I think you know you drafted him for a reason what what's the harm I mean you found some contributors late in the draft before, maybe this guy could be one of them. And, I mean, Josh Allen was sacked five times today. A couple were his fault, but for the most part, you know, the offensive line just wasn't good enough. LaShawn McCoy has no room to run. Uh, I'm surprised he hasn't left at halftime of a game yet because he has nowhere to go. If anybody would be justified, it would be him. But... He left the game with an injury today, too. So the blocking is just a huge issue. And if Wyatt Teller can even be an improvement in run blocking, that's at least a step forward. But here's the thing. It literally can't get worse because John Miller has been horrid for both both his starts. And in his four starts last year, he was terrible. And, you know, he's he's a nice enough guy and... and you know that that has to be considered too, and maybe the the summer and spring of work and everything like that. But when you just watch the tape and you see one weakness, time and time again, you got it. You have to be like, all right, this this isn't good enough. And what is the harm in putting Teller out there? It just does not. It it doesn't set you back 
because even if he is of equal equal suckitude to John Miller, at least you're building something to see if Teller can do the job with more experience. It makes all the sense in the world to put Teller out there now, especially since they're they're all but admitting that that this thing is uh, is a rebuilding effort. It, it's just it's it's that simple, really. All right, so. Um, I guess we should move on to the awards portion of the evening because man, I, I, I think it I think it's it's pretty easy. So I don't know what you want to do. Come on, Darlene. I'm just I'm just gonna do it. I think there's a chance this thing runs away with the bracket when <laughs> <laughs> when we put out the bracket. The Come On Darlene Award is Vontae Davis for leaving the freaking stadium at halftime. Sorry, I, I just clipped the the uh, the levels there and probably hurt your ears, so I apologize for that. But it was, oh my God. What happened out there? God. Okay, that's my Come On See, Darlene. I think the... Drew Archer Award needs to be renamed the Vontae Davis Award. I, I had given that some consideration, but Although, I, I, Drew Archer never showed up. Vontae was at least out there for a half. Perhaps it's a third award, the Vontae <laughs> Davis Award, for the guy that Doesn't disappeared sh- in the middle of the game. <laughs> okay. uh, I I'm mean, in. it's happened before. I'm into it. I'm into it. So now we have Come On Darlene, Drew Archer Award, and the Vontae Davis Award? I'll allow it. Okay. All right. All right. So what's your as com- it calls my come on, Darlene? I mean, it's easy to give it to Vontae Davis. I had to. I you mean, could, it was a necessary evil. Just had you could kind of hand it out all over the place in a game like this. I'm gonna give it to back judge Gregory Wilson. Ooh, I know where you're going with this. On the Taiwan Jones play, where the punt was fumbled, Taiwan Jones picks it up. His helmet comes off. The guy with the best view of the fact that his helmet came off is Gregory Wilson, the back judge. And Vontae or Taiwan Jones took. Do you remember who hit him? Uh, it was forty-two for for the uh, Chargers. There. He so he takes a, a nasty hit from a Chargers player. A lot of people are wanting the Chargers player ejected or suspended or what have you. Decent chance he gets a fine. All that's doing is hiding the fact that the back judge didn't do his job. Yep, He should have blown the whistle the second Taiwan Jones' helmet came off. That's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. Taiwan Jones' helmet was off for a couple of seconds. He came around the corner like a wall of players, and that's when he got hit. So I'm thinking the guy that went to tackle him in kind of a bang-bang moment was coming around the corner and didn't necessarily notice that Jones didn't have his helmet on. I mean, things happen very fast. I've never been out there in an NFL game, so it's hard for me to say this guy totally, you know, made an egregious play. Tywan Jones ends up, you know, he's being evaluated for a concussion. He was bleeding on the field. Scary moment. Seriously. And, and all because the ref didn't do his job by blowing the whistle. Probably could have prevent, been prevented by that. Could have been prevented by the defender pulling up a little bit but i mean how putting, how is he to know that he doesn't have his helmet i'm putting on? more of it on the ref than i am yeah. on on the uh chargers player who hit him because 
it, it was very simple and he had the clearest view if you look at the video he was standing right there and on top of that you know they're kind of they didn't necessarily they kind of didn't they called the penalty as an unnecessary roughness mm-hmm. which to me would say that he you know hit him after the whistle but the whistle didn't blow until he was hit and so probably the wrong call you could have maybe called him for lowering his head yep but that's just hiding the fact that the guy didn't blow the whistle when he was supposed yep. to he should have he absolutely should have and man i i hope taiwan jones is okay because that was freaking scary i mean i it it made me think to the point i'm like why is football a thing? <laughs> to be perfectly blunt, because when you have someone that that could have been a lot worse, and if his head was turned the wrong way, that could have been ultimately worse. So, I mean, thankful that it, he he was just getting out of there with you know, bleeding and a potential concussion, and that's that's still serious in itself, but. Man, that could have been that could have been bad, like like really really bad. All right, to the Dre Archer Award we go. Um, doing some thinking on this, the Dre Archer Award. I, I might chalk that up to Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, he was constantly getting picked apart over the middle of the field by Philip Rivers. He Rivers was manipulating Edmonds with his eyes all throughout that first half. And so I think I think I'm going to go with the rookie there. This is part of the growing pains. This is part of the the process, so to speak. But yeah, I think I'm going with the rookie. Sometimes you get Dre Archer and Yeah. Uh I'm going to go I hate to do it. Do it just deep in my heart, but I'm going with Leslie Frazier. I was going to give him the Vontae Davis Award. Oh, so we're giving out the Vontae Davis Award. We might this, as well. Because he would be a perfect candidate because he was gone. This yeah. is this is perfect because now one of us can do the Dre Archer, the other can do the Vontae Davis Award, and then we, we flip the next week. So, sure. Leslie Frazier, I mean... Gets the Vontae Davis Award. The inaugural Vontae Davis he, Award. For one, because he didn't do much in the second half after he got <laughs> stripped of his play-calling duties. Come on, guys. And, I mean, <laughs> you know, I love Leslie Frazier. He's a great guy. but Super nice guy. You have to wonder if maybe he's a little bit of a problem as a play-caller after what happened today. And I don't think Sean McDermott will give those play-calling duties back. Oh, no. I don't think he's he going to. He felt good after that. He's he, like, man, this is. I needed this. I think he need. He wants a little more control. And What's the freaking thing he said. I, I think it's. Um, I think that's probably might be it for Leslie Frazier as the play caller. Not to say he's going to be fired or anything. I just think his role will change a little bit. Yeah, he. Uh, a little bit of a, a. What exactly would you say you do here? Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, Sean McDermott said he took over because they felt he felt the team needed a spark. Quote, that's my background. Oh, he's not letting it go. No shot. So, Leslie, sorry. but And you- a lot of guys call plays. Yeah. Uh, a lot of head coaches call plays, yeah. whether it's offense or defense. So, 
maybe it's time for for Sean to start doing that and you know yeah getting after it a little bit but be- because he's still trying to figure out how he's going to be a head coach too and he tried the the uh take a back seat be more of a a macro thinker than than anything and and there this is uh it it was not going well through the first six quarters and so he made a change and it was the right change for this game we'll see if it continues against a couple of offensive behemoths coming through with the uh, Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers back to back here all right so the bills are now 0-2 on the season and it might be a while before that first victory comes through especially with the next two games on the road uh, the the chance of them going winless in September quite possible if not likely with the with the Vikings and Packers uh, on board or on deck here so that is where we're going to leave you the next time we'll talk to you will be on Thursday of the upcoming week because we need to preview the Bills Vikings game as well as all the other happenings and hubbub around the Bills as the practice kind of goes along so for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscalia. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we will talk to you the next time on Thursday of next week. See ya. <laughs>